You're listening to Serious Business with Andy Audate. Serious talk on business, marketing, and finance to win in this new economy. In this podcast, every single day, Andy Audate reveals cutting-edge strategies, technologies, techniques, and solutions to exponentially grow your business in the new economy. Boom! How you doing? How you living? How you being? It's your girl, Nani, and I'm coming to you live with my good friend, Andy Audate. I'm super excited to have him on the Power Talk today. For those of you guys that don't know who Andy Audate is, he's a published author, a motivational speaker, and a serial entrepreneur. And honestly, I'm so excited to dive into your story. I really resonate with it, so we're going to get it. How you doing? How you living, Andy? How I'm doing, how I'm living, I'm blessed to be feeling, you know what I'm saying? Let's go. I like the remix. You know, you're the first person that came into the Power Talk and actually went with my how you doing, how you living, how you been. So I know it's going to be a good one. But you know, I used to be a rapper back in the day, so like remixing is my thing, you know what I'm saying? So I could remix the remix. You feel? Listen, I, I used to freestyle. That's like my secret confession is I used to freestyle. I like poetry and I swear I could spit a beat, a bar or two, but I'll leave that for later on. I'll leave that You for like later to freestyle, on. but let me tell you, son, Nani, my, my style ain't free. Oh, let's go. Oh. And that's what we're about to learn today is how, how can we get some of that style that's not for sale? I remember she over here, because you put, you put other people on mute, so she, I see Serena over here, she's like, boom. She's like, ooh, that was hot. It's like you got served. So, Andy, um, you're, you're definitely an awesome man. I love your movement. I love your energy. And what I want to know is who is Andy? Who were you in your childhood? I know you're from Boston. Um, you grew up with two amazing parents. Uh, You've had a very wild journey, and it's been a solopreneur journey, and then you created yourself to be such a great leader. Yo, where did you um, get my information from? Where did I get my information from? Man, man, you, you, you with the feds? <laughs> no, man. No, I do my research. I'm actually, I actually am, unlike other podcasters, I give a shit who's on my show. I make sure I do my digging, because I don't want just anybody around my tribe. No, nah, I feel that. I feel that. That's dope. That's powerful. So I want to just know, uh, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Uh, do you think that your childhood really molded you to become an entrepreneur? Um, did you have any entrepreneurs in your family that you could replicate? Or was this something that you really just honed in on your own? Well, man, first of all, let me tell you about the both and. The both and mindset. I, I want to give a little bit of value too. But the both and mindset, it's when... You can do all things and everything and mm-hmm. still be present and still be effective. So in my, in my computer system, I got my main screen here and I got another screen then another screen. I got two keyboards here. Why? Um, because I, I want to do a lot in a short period of time. So while you were asking that question, someone asked me, someone in my team just said, hey, I need the webinar invite template. Oh, I need more leads. And I'm like, okay, boom, let me get that done for you. Let me delegate that to somebody so we can get that business done and still be here with not. So we're talking about both and I wanted to give you, give you, give y'all people a little nugget. Some people have an either or mentality. Oh my gosh, I'm on the podcast. My business must stop because I'm on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I'm at work. I can't be, I can't be with my wife. I can't be with my girlfriend. I can't talk to my mom. I can't talk to my friends. I'm at work. I'm about having a both and mentality, not an either or mentality. But background about me, I come from an impoverished environment. I say that word keenly. Why? Because 
in that coming growing up from poverty, it was a mind, it was a mental shift more than a, a, a financial shift, if anything. Yep, I agree. I come from the East Coast, the smallest state in the country, Rhode Island. And I was raised in the smallest city in the smallest country. Complete crabs in a bucket. You see somebody getting jumped. You don't, you, you either take photos or you walk, you walk away because it's, it's nothing new to you. You hear yeah. someone getting shot. You, the first question is not, oh my gosh, there's a shooting. The first thing you say is, is it someone I know? If it's not, hey man, that can happen every day. Impoverished area. And I had to do what I had to do to get out of it. I love that. And I know that there's some pivotal points in your childhood that I really want to talk about that I was actually really intrigued by. So I know that you come from a bullying background. Um, my, I myself have a condition that's brachy. I have a torn brachial plexus, so I have an urge palsy on my arm. Um, I can turn this arm this way, can't turn it this way. So I was always called robot arm when I was younger. Word. And you got bullied up until you were 13. And I thought it was powerful that at the age of 13, you were suicidal, but the power of prayer and the power of having a belief kind of talked you out of it because of the going based off of biblical reasons. Now, being 13 years old, I just recently had Phaedrus Coolin on here, and we were speaking about suicide and how a lot of people fight silent battles. And you fought a silent battle for over five years. Although you did come from an impoverished background, it lets it be known that everybody has battles that they face and securities that they face. And that was something that you took on. Now, I know that you, quote, unquote, had man boobs. Um, and it was something that you got bullied about. Uh, it was something that you were terrorized about. And then it was something that you try to take care of on your own. Uh, you were in a gurney for five years. And you stated that it helped mold you to who you were. I just want to know, at the age of 13, how did you have the courage to face a silent battle like that and instantly try to be a problem solver? Most people will kind of find it man, why was he hiding? And others will find it, like I did, kind of intriguing to be so young and think of a, see a problem and find a solution rather than just break. Well, for a while, man, my solution was death uh, for a while. I just wanted to run away. I, yeah. I remember there was a time where I put a knife to my chest to cut off the man boobs and, now, and I was thinking about like, okay, what happens afterwards? But yeah. the pain, I thought like the pain would have been, uh, what do you call it? easier on the other side had I just cut it off. And then I was kind of thinking about like, it's sewing back, like it coming back together naturally. And I would have had a flat chest and I would have felt normal. Uh, of course, if I did it myself, it would have been totally bad. Um, but I had, a, I had an epiphany, cause I was, I remember laying down in my bed and I was touching the popcorn wall in my room. And I, as I was laying down, the popcorn wall is the, is the where the, they, they take the paint and, and the pieces of, uh, whatever they put on the, the spackle on the wall and they, they shape it in a way that it kind of pops off the wall. And I was picking at it and I was thinking to myself like, yo, this is going to be it, man. I'm ready to go because the sixth graders are, are rude. Like they, they hurt my feelings and I have no one to look up to. I got no family that really gives a fuck. Um, so at that point I'm ready to like, yo, take my life. And I'm a wise man. So I would figure out a way to hurt myself if I needed to, if I really, was in that position and I really, really went on the edge. But my parents put me into private school at a young age and we were taught to pray to God. So in these experiences where I'm constantly praying to God, you know what, I wanna, I wanna, put, my, I wanna put my image over here. I, I did a webinar the other day and, and I, did a, I did a webinar the other day. We got two Andes. Yeah, you got two Andes, well I have one. I did, in, in the webinar, 
Like we set up, we set up over here. We gonna set up a whole studio. So I, we moved everything over here, and we're going to buy uh, equipment. We're gonna set up a, a set because right now I'm, I'm setting up to go to do a, a tour, to go to do a tour, and this is where we're gonna put out all the content. So I'm gonna do a, a, a content distribution channel right here behind us. So we're cleaning that up. But over here, I recognize that I had purpose. Mm -hmm. That's why I brought this over here. So for the people who are listening and can't see what I did, I have a big banner in my house and I put it in front of the camera and it's a picture of me and in front of that picture it says the word purpose. So at 13, I'm going through this challenge and I asked God, like, why am I, like, why do I even have this thing? I'm like, I got, I'm, I'm 13, I got man titties. Like, why do I have this thing? And I'm looking up someone who's successful. I'm looking up like who successful has this can't find anybody. The closest that I got was Rick Ross. Now yeah. I said, Rick Ross is just really fat. It, it's not the same. Like, yeah. I'm a small chubby kid, but I got breasts and, and I couldn't find anybody. Then God told me right then and there, I had to download from God and God said, I'm going to use you to be successful. So you could be the one. And I said, all right, fine with me. I love that. I really love that because you speak about two things that most people don't touch on. Most people don't touch on if you have fear, you have to have a faith, right? Everyone thinks faith is something religious, but faith is something that you can't see, you can't taste, you can't believe, you can't really, you know, feel it, but you know it is there. That's faith. And you touch on having faith at such a young age. And then you talk about discovering that you have a purpose. I always speak that the greatest thing outside your comfort zone is your calling. And so many of us want to pick product over, uh, over purpose, and it's the complete opposite. So at the age of 13, you discover your purpose, right? You begin to walk into your purpose. You don't uh, commit suicide, and you go forward with wearing the gurney. Now, discovering that you have a purpose, something's greater for you, when you put on the gurney, did you feel like you were kind of dictating yourself? Because in a way, you're covering your insecurity, or were you trying to, you know, set a set a secure zone for yourself? I didn't. I didn't have like some type of belief that my gynecomastia—that's the name of it—my gynecomastia and my man breast was uh, attached to my purpose as like I needed it or something for my purpose. Yeah. I it. it was more of an understanding that despite this challenge despite this challenge, you will still thrive. And, I, and I, that's what I had belief in. So despite this challenge, I will still thrive. It wasn't until, uh, so I wore that gurney. Is, that, is, it, is it called gurney? Yeah, I believe so. I don't know, I don't wear one and I, I don't really, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know of it. I, I don't I've know heard. it's called gurney, because I think gurney's the, I think gurney's the- Serena, help us out here. It's a girdle. Girdle, yes, girdle, there you go. It's some gur. Yeah, so it's a girdle. So gurney is the thing you sleep on, like when you, when you, when like in the hospital, like oh, you're, oh, you're on the gurney. Um, but, but it was a girdle. Yeah, that's what it was. So I, I walk around my mom's house. I, you know, I, I mean, I walk around the house that I was living at, which was in my mom's house. I'm going through the laundry. I find it. I put it on. I look good. I, my chest is flat. I go then the next day with the, I go out with my friends that day with it. Then the next day I'm like, okay, I'm still looking in the mirror with it on the next day. I mean, I can't take it. Like, what point do I say, hey, I'm going to go back to the insecurity. I'm going to go back to the pain. I'm going to go back to the misery when I feel yeah. Well, I wore that thing for five years straight. And then after wearing that thing for five years straight, at 19, someone who believed in me suggested that I open up a business. So I opened up a cell phone store, and, and, and I, 
after overcoming fear and this, despite the doubts and anxiety that I had in of being a 19 year old from an impoverished area, given the opportunity to open up a business, I opened up that business. And one of the, one of the days that I'm walking outside of the mall, because the business was in the mall. So one of the days that I walk outside the mall, my right hand man comes up to me and says, yo, we're businessmen now, put your back straight. And I, and I didn't realize that the girl was affecting my posture. So my back was never straight, but no one ever told me, they just looked at me weird. And so mm. my, my, my right man told me that. And I said, all right, man, I'm gonna put my back straight. So I put my back straight. Next day I took that, that girdle off. And I said, you're right, man, I'm a confident businessman. Took that girdle off. Uh, I think I wore it once or twice after that. Then, but I didn't wear it after, I didn't, I didn't wear it again. And then, but as far as like confidence, what happened was my chest, I would never show my chest off because, yeah. because of that insecurity. So fast forward three years, I'm still never showing my chest off. I'm going into the pool with my shirt on, although I got man breasts and everyone can tell, but I'm hiding it from myself. Then yeah. one, one day I meet a beautiful queen and she shares with me, we're, we're in the bedroom spending time together and doing what we do in the bedroom. And she says, why you never take your shirt off? I said, honestly, I'm gonna be real with you. I never took my shirt off because this is how I feel. And she said, come on, it's evident, but I still love you the way you are. And she put her hand on my chest. And I was like, oh, shoot. Even women like me, and the, as a man, really all I'm trying to do is impress, impress women. So if, if a woman still loves me with the way that I am, that means the rest of the world could love me. So I took exactly. my shirt off. Next thing you know, I'm on social media doing my thing. And then sharing this confidence that I have, I'm putting, I'm, I'm walking around without my shirt because I mean, you, you spend 20 years with your shirt on everywhere and then you yeah. to take it off, man. You just start, you start going to the mailbox three times a day without your shirt. <laughs> right? Just pulling up to the drive-thru with your shirt off. Just like yeah, having yeah. a reason to take it off. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, you start opening up the door with your shirt off. Like the mailman, <laughs> I was just checking to see if the mailman was coming in. I, I like the breeze, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but, but that newfound confidence, eventually turned into something a little bit more positive, a little bit more life-changing when I found out there were other men who were suffering from the same challenges that I once had. And because of my status on social media, it gave them the confidence and the permission to say they, they take their shirt off. And yeah. supported the other men in their relationship with their wives. It supported uh, other men with their, with their relationship with themselves. So I looked at it as a positive thing. And someone, someone came to me the other day and was like, yo, Andy, you know, because you live in California now, by the way, for the people who don't know uh, the part of my story, I moved to California because I live in California now. Beverly Hills is 19 minutes away from my house. So the, the plastic surgeon spot. So I can go to the, I can get plastic surgery. Then I said, uh, I don't think so because this is part of my story. and I'm going to keep rocking with it. Man, I love that so much because the reason why I have the deficiency with my arm is my parents taught me how to use it. I always ignored the noise. I still was capable of doing everything they told me I couldn't. They asked me to do a surgery and give me a 50-50 chance of having my arm just be dead or being having to teach myself how to use it. And I'm like, you know, I'm 16 years old at this point. I've taught myself how to use it. I'm just going to keep it. 25 years old now, I still have my arm the way it is because there's other people that are facing the same challenges as I am. And who am I to change up my story, you know? So I really admire that about you. Um, hashtag take your shirt off if you're not comfortable in your own skin. Feel comfortable in your own skin because how wonderful is it to think that there's a billion people out there and there's only one of you. So I really, really love that, Andy. Now, I want to kind of talk about you growing up. Um, you know, you were into fighting, you were into drug dealing, but 
for me, I always take that as a survivor thrive attitude, right? Um, for me, everyone knows my story as turning my mess into a mission. I used to be a drug dealer, drug user, delinquent, dropout, had a kid, and I turned my mess into my story, and I turned my mess into my mission. And I really love yours because at the age of 16, you stop drug dealing. You get an eye opener where you're like, okay, there's something greater for me. Um, and you start working at Wendy's. Then you take yourself to start working at a place called Bob's. And each place taught you something different. Wendy's kind of taught you community, leadership, having a, having a tribe around you. Bob's taught you work ethic, put it in work and you get the result. And that's where you end up going into Metro stores, selling cell phones, grinding, doing sales. And this led up to you owning three stores, hitting over a million dollars in sales, four stores, hitting over a million dollars in sales. How has your entrepreneur journey been? And what have been some downsides to it? Because it has seemed like it has happened kind of rapidly. And I know that you were speaking about on a Facebook video, I think you said 372 days or 772 days that you've been doing this. Um, and it's been such a big growth for you. I, it sounds like your whole career has been like that. So how has this journey been? And what have been some downsides? Yeah, I, I, shit, bro. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be in business for 15 years. You know, I don't know that experience uh, yeah. to be in the same, you know, same thing for 15 years. Is it? It's definitely been quick. Um, and the downside is trans is the transition into longevity, into mm. focus on on longevity, because because I started as like a I would say legal right to entrepreneur at 19, like with. Mm -hmm you know, legal businesses with CPAs and attorneys and all that stuff at 19. And I look at my little brother, actually I dropped him off to the airport today and he's 22 and I said, bro, when I was 20, when I was 22, man, I had a, I had a different lifestyle. And I'm like, to imagine you so young, Alan, and, and to see you doing that now, I'd be crazy. So I can, I look at some 19 year olds and I'd be like, you so young. But the shit I was going through at 19 was tremendous. I mean, yeah. I was walking around with, like, I, could, I couldn't put the money into my pocket. I had to, we had to put it into bags. So Bank of America, and then on the East Coast, we had a bank called Citizens Bank. We, they would give me tamper-proof bags, and we just, I would just stuff it with money. But during that time, I was numb. I was so numb to feelings, to emotions, to love. I was just running away. My runaway, my drug was sales. My drug was business. And I would, I would rush out of my house to go do my dirt, my addict, like my, my, you know, yeah. to get your fix, your dopamine hit. Yeah. So, and it was just, it was just, a, cause I, I felt like sales or business was just not a, like, um, it was, it was just like focus on one thing results that like you just, you know, focus on no but, judgment either. No outside perspective. Like for me, cause I come from drug dealing as well. Same thing, impoverished background for me. It was like the first time someone called me miss, I was like, oh, I'm on to something. I'm, I got missed. I got appointments. I'm closing deals. I'm making something. I feel significant. It was the first time I felt significant, but I felt numb. You know, I didn't feel like I was fulfilling it because I wasn't walking in who I really was. That's that's a great point. Significant. That's what it is, actually. That's that's what. Yeah, you you hit you hit on the nail because I remember telling my my people. I said, yo, like I feel love when I'm. Yeah. You know, like. I take care of people finding like in my company we have 30 people and like I I feel the love when I can support others. I feel the love around me as 
because I'm because I'm the leader. I feel that love, and I, and I was always chasing that. And I felt like you know the position that I I was in is what the position is what brought love. It wasn't like the, yeah. the relationship. It was the position that brought love. So then I after transitioning and realizing that wasn't the case, it was leadership that brought love in any relationship, whether it's business or personal. Then that's when I started to understand life a little bit more. I love that. And you transitioning into the leader that you are now. Um, I know for me, I've struggled with leadership and I realized that there's different phases. We go through different phases, like moon goes through phases, the ocean goes through phases, we go through phases. And I think that it's not about the change, it's about the transformation. And becoming a leader that you are, what has been a pivotal point in your leadership factor? You just stated that you have, you know, 30 employees. What's something that you struggle with and what's something that you've gotten better with that you've realized is really important in leadership? Because there's so many aspects to it, right? And that we're all trying to build a team. We're all trying to grow. And I'm sure there's different advice that we get. But for me, it's something in particular. How do you handle your different struggles with leadership? And what are things that you've gotten better with that you've noticed work more? Uh, number one, vision. Vision. No one wants to. No one wants to be behind someone or something, and they have no clue where they're going. Yeah. So it's been so clear, so evident since forever in my in my organization. Like, yo, what is our vision? And it's that this guy can change the world. Like, it's it's so clear and so evident. What's our vision? Um, and and that this guy is next up, but this guy needs some support. And we bring in our support and they, and, and we're experiencing those wins with our clientele who are mm -hmm. coming into our organization and really growing, you know, so I, I want to know client performance updates. I want to know uh, who's thriving in our organization personally, you know, like, yeah. example, one of, one, like one of my senior sales marketing managers, she's, she's 21 and she's pushing. I mean, she, she's, she, she started, she started with me, then she's now going into her first rental property. She makes more than her parents. So I see that, I'm like, yo, that's, that pushes me to continue to grow, to grow at a rapid pace to give other people that opportunity. So number one is gonna be vision. Number two is gonna be connection. Being mm -hmm. connected to your team members um, on a personal level. Yeah. Uh, this morning I learned about the difference between uh, power, for, power, uh, power distance in India. So I talked I talk to this man who is, um, I'm in a discussion with him about him being a client, doing a deal with him. And he shares with me what he does to, corporate, to large corporations is that when a company, when a company, for example, if a Fortune 500 company, company acquires a smaller company, a smaller business, and that smaller business has locations on the, in India, the way that leadership is done in the United States is different than India. So an example that he shared with me was that in America, this, it's more collaborative where the leader sits at the end of the table, but the whole team is looking at a, at a project and saying, hey, what, let's think about it together. But in India, what, based on my understanding from that conversation is that the way that it's done is that there's a, a, the boss is a spectator and telling people what to do. So United States has, spec has collaborators and India has, hey, you're the boss. So when an organization gets purchased and a leader from America goes to India to work, they're like, hey, let's collaborate, let's work together. And the people at the company is like, what are, we, what are we doing? So it's that connection with each person to say, hey, 
I want to be very clear on the vision. I want, to know, I want you to know what to expect. Number, that's number two, so connection. Number three is going to be vulnerability. Look, I, my company is small. My company is small as hell. We, we tiny. And yeah. there's a lot of challenges that I can't see. There's a lot of challenges. And I tell my team straight up, I said, guys, I'm not perfect. And I acknowledge when I'm not perfect. Like this morning, I came into a meeting at 9.01 a.m. Our meeting starts at 9 o'clock. So my, sale, my senior marketing manager, because I hold that culture that we are at the top, we're at, you know, we're at the high, high range in our, in our industry that, hey, if you're not here at 9 o'clock, you're late. So my, she came up to me. She's like, hey, why were you late? You know, so I, I became vulnerable and I said, hey, this is what was a challenge. This is what was in front of me. So I'm just being real with you guys. Also, hey, I'm being real with you guys like when I don't know the answer to something. Yeah. I'm being real with you guys when this is when I'm being I'm being challenged right now. Hey guys, I'm being real with you when God, I don't know what's next. Hey guys, I'm being real with you that there's a challenge in front of us and and, and I know it's my responsibility to take care of the challenge. And I'm being real with y'all, I'm scared. And my team looks at me and is like, yo, we ride for you, bro. We're yeah. Gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna take you like I'm here for you, man. So these things is what's pivotal for me for a leader because there's another, there's another photo, there's another one of these banners that I got, and it's a picture of me holding a cigar. So if you've ever been to a professional conference, there's a picture of me holding a cigar where I'm just like this, right? Because that's who I thought was a leader. The, the cigar in your mouth, no feelings, numb, boss. I don't give a fuck about the people that work for me because they work for me. I'm, I'm the head honcho. That's who I thought was a leader. That was never me naturally. That's who I thought was a leader. So I acted as what who I've seen on the team. And then I thought that was facts. And then I realized that was false. And people were leaving my company and never wanted to work for me time and time over again because that leader is not effective. That type of leadership is not effective. The boss yeah. lifestyle is not effective. The leadership yeah. that's connected and vulnerable is effective. The difference between a boss and a leader is a boss says go and a leader says let's go. That's one of my favorite quotes because I truly believe that as well is that so many people have the wrong mindset. They see something and they want to be it. And today I was talking about re having people that reinforce the present in you and having people that reinforce the future in you and having people around you that suck your energy, that actually help you drain your gaps when you're going through a gap. It's not going to help you, especially when it comes to your leadership skills. So I love that you stated that, man. And you're definitely a real demonstration of what a leader and turning your mess into a mission is about. So you've had a business for a while. I want to ask, what has been your biggest hurdle in business and how have you overcome it? Uh, my biggest hurdle in business, man. Especially being a, a motivational speaker, at least in that industry. Because I know that a lot of people that want to be speakers or that want to be coaches and want to do what you're doing. I know I want to be doing that. That's what I'm trying to get going. So what are some struggles that you have had and how have you overcome it? I think, I think uh, self-doubt is going to be the number one thing. Uh, self-doubt like like from a personal development standpoint it's gonna be self-doubt but from a systematical and technical standpoint it's gonna be scaling um, but the number one thing before even scaling is or scaling or sales and marketing is, is gonna be self-doubt because that's where the pivotal moment takes place because that's when you're at the point of I'm doing this and I'm or I'm not and that's where people that's where people's lives get fucked up. It's not the bankruptcy. It's not the lawsuit. It's not the, uh, it's not the, uh, the money or whatever. It's, it's I'm, I'm, I'm doing this or I'm not. So yeah. 
what I found is that I'm very reliant on myself because I'm boisterous. So if you're around me, bro, I think I'm the shit, bro. I'm fucking confident as hell, bro. And, and the reason why is because ain't no one telling me. No one telling me I look good. You didn't tell me, you didn't come on this podcast and say, Andy, you look handsome today. I had to come on this podcast and say, Andy, I look handsome today. So me recognizing that in my life, when there's constant challenges and it's constantly getting pushed, like, you're not good enough. Andy, you're 25, you're too young, you're black, you're overweight, you're from the hood, you're college dropout. All this shit that's coming on top of me that the world is saying, that social media is saying, that the news is saying about me, like, like, the news essentially is telling me to be fearful to go drive on myself, you know? It's to, yeah. all of these things that are opposed against me, I oppose it with the words that come in my mouth because life and death is in the tongue. So I oppose it with the words that come in my mouth and I just say, look, your boy's on purpose, man. <laughs> your boy handsome, man. And then to the point where I either convince you or I convince myself. Or yeah. I just go. It's intentional growth or incidental growth. So I really, really love that. Now, what characteristics or skills would you say have been pivotal to your growth? Besides the confidence, what are some hard skills or soft skills that have helped you excel in your career or helped you excel with your entrepreneur journey? Sales. The ability to qualify, present, and close. No, actually, just close. There's I love the, that. The ability, the ability to close, man. I told... I, I told uh, uh, I said to somebody, I said, you could put me into a, you could, you could drop me in Tucson, Arizona. Just drop me up in Tucson, Arizona. Just give me, just give me, give me, give me a bag in Tucson, Arizona. In 30 days to 60 days, you're going to come into my nice, lavish apartment, right? I'm going to be like, yo, let's go into the jacuzzi, man. I got, I got something to tell you what, what I've been through in the last 60 days, man. This shit was crazy. Let me tell you what I've been through. The ability to qualify, the ability to present opportunities, the ability to close, the ability to persuade, the ability to influence, and the ability to set that confidence. Because I remember my first day I did calls. I did cold calls. So in our system right now, let's see, this month so far in our system, as of 4.08 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, January 11th, my organization has made 5,284 calls in the last 14 days. In, in, in 14 days. As of now, I still have people on the phones as we speak. But my first day, which was 2017, my first day, I did 13 calls and I went to bed. I said, I can't do this, man. Absolutely not going down like that. <laughs> what do you mean? I said, I said, I can't do this. I was at home. I said, I'm work from home. I remember I put on a tie because they said, they said, they said, they said, even though you're working at home, look good. So I said, okay, I put on a tie. I looked in the mirror. You know, I have to get ready for the day. So I started stretching, you know. You know, I start, I start doing my stretching. I start, you know, I got to mix my breakfast, do my yogurt. I meant to get prepared. Now, I, I was supposed to start calling at 9 o'clock in the morning. I woke up at 8 to get ready because I work from home. I could, it's only taking me an hour. Man, I didn't start calling until 1 o'clock. I was getting ready the whole time. And then 1 o'clock comes around. I, I do I do 10 calls. I got hit in the face so many times. No, we're not interested. No, no. And then I'm like, on the, on the, by, by the 12th call, I'm like, hello. And then the third people call, you picked up, hey, how are you? And then and they're like, yeah, we're not interested. And I said, okay, man, I'm going to bed, fuck this. Yeah, it's hard. You gotta have thick skin for sales. I think that if you come from cold calling, I come from call centers. So for me is if you door knock or can do over the phone sales, you are a killer. So I have a question for you, and this is more a perspective question. Um, just to hear what your definition would be, how do you define success? 
I define success in my life with the simple, simple fact that I can use my story, my experiences to support other people in their growth. And they genuinely feel that they have progressed. I think that the only reason people are enjoying life is because of their progression. It's when you see people who are totally, totally sad and suicidal or whatever is because they haven't progressed in a certain area in their life. But when you recognize, when I recognize that there are people that look at me and they say, yo, because of you, I have progressed in this specific area or this specific uh, uh, area of my life that I couldn't break through. And because of you, I did that. That means I'm successful. So I'm not, pro like, I, I don't find myself happy if I'm the only one progressing. Like in my, in my, my circle, my, everyone got to progress, man. Like, like one of the questions that I ask in my company, and we ask this on a daily basis, like we have a call in, in 20 minutes from now on Zoom. And one of the questions I'm going to ask is, how did you progress today? I'm going to go all on the lines to every single person. How did you progress? How did you progress? And everyone's going to say, I progress like this. And it's a daily thing uh, because if you're not progressing, you're dying. If you're not progressing, you are going backwards. You are essentially re-regressing. If you're regressing, that's when death is around the corner. Death yeah. of your business, death of your life, those personal challenges. And it's, and, and it's when, you, when you can think back to like, oh, I told Andy the way I progressed today was this. So you know what? I'm actually, I actually am moving forward because the devil is alive. Yeah. I love that. That was powerful. And for anybody listening to this, run that back, man. Run that back because that was probably the biggest bomb that was dropped. And I love that perspective on it. Now, I want to know, what. tell me a little bit more about the Progression Conference. How did you hone into wanting to create your own seminars or create your own conference, your own community? And tell the listeners a little bit more about it and how we can get engaged with that. Well, from your point of view, you, so it shares, my understanding is that you, you, you know little about it. So from your point of view, what is the Progression Conference from your point of view? Well, what I've seen of it, because I, I haven't been involved with that, I haven't seen much of it. Um, what I've seen, it's just kind of like a mastermind for motivation and business strategies. And I'm really big on masterminds and seminars and conferences. Um, I love to learn. So it just looks like another culture that's based on your teachings on business strategies and motivation. So when I was on the East Coast, when I was, when I was living in, an, in that impoverished area, I was listening to personal development content. I was, I was, in 2014, I'm in, the, I'm in the parking lot of my school, of my college. I just graduated high school, and I'm in the parking lot, and I'm saying to myself, like, yo, I don't want to go into the school right now. And I start listening to Eric Thomas. Yeah. I'm listening to Eric Thomas, I'm starting to see better, a better life for myself. I see myself as a businessman. I see myself as, you know, um, just this positive individual. I, I see myself with the right group of people. And... Other people in my area didn't see positive for themselves. They didn't see better for themselves. And I questioned why was that? So I started, when I started that company, I, call, I called the company, the cell phone company, I called the company Progression Wireless. Progression Wireless. That was the name of the company back then. And the idea behind Progression Wireless was I had this skill set of sales. I knew how to teach other people how to sell phones. Because I, I worked at Metro PCS, I knew how to teach people how to close cell phones. So my idea was that I'm going to have this little cell phone kiosk and the whole entire block is going to go through my store. Everyone's going to work at some point. And everyone's going to grow financially as well as their mindset. And my, my business was going to be a filtration system for the hood. Boom. I'm going to change the block. Bang. And then after about a year and a half of doing that, I ain't seen nobody changing. Nobody's growing. 
And then it yeah. wasn't cool. Um, one of my mans on the in the company, he he was a uh, the Joe. He was a sales manager at one of the the stores, and and he, I went up to him. And I was like, "Yo, man, this person over here just chilling where I work. Did not think I'm trying to play Les Brown in the behind you know behind them and to subconsciously yeah. change their mindset." And they did completely like rebuking this man. And he says, "Andy, let me tell you something. Some people are only here for a paycheck." I said, "Bro, get the fuck out of here, bro." People only come here for a paycheck. He said, I mean, that's a job. It's, where, it's a job in the mall. Like, they came to the store to get a job. I said, yeah. that's not, well, that was never my intention. So I started to realize that. And then he mentioned to me that day, he said, Andy, you can't change people. You can only help people help themselves. I said, I can't change. That's, I said, that's right, Joe. The reason you're like, we're all young, by the way. But we, we, was, make, we was making bank, man. We were making $90,000 a month. We're 18, 19, 20. Making yeah. bucks. And so he, this dude is 18 years old and he tell me this thing and I'm like, that's crazy, man. You can't change people. You can only help people help themselves. That's right, because you came to me and you said, yo, I want to change my life. That's why you're in this position. But when that person came to me, they just said, hey, how much does this job pay? I said $9.60 and they said, okay. I said, different mindset here. He was about money. He was about, their person was just about, you know, what they're going to take. This person was about, what can I get for my life? That's why yeah. you're in this position. So I, I said, okay, great. So after experiencing this, these challenges, I then made a, a decision to leave the, West, the East Coast and move to the West. So I get to the, to the West Coast, and I'm, now I'm on the West Coast, and I'm still figuring out like, how I'm going to change the world. I literally believed I could change the world. I literally believed, like, yo, my experiences was not for no reason. Yeah. So then one day I'm going to run. And on this run, I'm listening to Les Brown in my ear. Les Brown's a more, the, the number one motivational speaker yeah, in the world. When it comes to motivation and speaking, he's number one. Captivating storyteller for it. So he, he then, he then um, he's in my ear. And my run, when I started running, I was listening to rap music. It would take me 22 minutes a mile. So I'm telling you, like, like the old lady is walking past me looking by. I'm over here like, <laughs> and the old lady walks by me and she's like, Young man, I hope you drink some water. Like, like, yo, like I was slow. But yeah. I just run in my ear and I get coaching and I and I start training. Within a couple of weeks, I go to eight minutes per mile. Eight minutes from 22. That's a big, that's that's a big change. That's, that's like walking versus really running like an athlete. So I said, what was the difference? It was the mental shift that was going on, the mental shift. So I said, Les Brown's my ear, motivation. This is how I, this is how I change. I can, I can do that too. So I, I decided to join Les Brown's program, a uh, speaker training program. That's the most important thing that changed my life. I thought I could do it on my own because I did yeah. well, but it wasn't until I joined that speaker pr program to really understand and, and be around the, the space and get the atmosphere and be in the atmosphere, it wasn't until my life changed. So I invested into myself, got into the program, and then I became a speaker. I love that. And that's where the progression conference comes from. And it just, just so I know, is it based on business strategies and personal growth? It's focused on three things. It's focused on sales, marketing, personal development. Why? Why sales? And, and, and everything's strategic. There's no mistake. Everything's strategic. It's because I'm trying to get people to, under, to have an experience of growth in a short period of time. And I'm going based off my experience. My experience has been where I make a shit ton of money, then I take a dip. In early 2017, I think late 2016, I think that was around the time. I take a dip financially. I'm fucking hurting. I'm, I'm flat ass broke, man. I'm, I'm hurting. 
And then I realized who I was. I looked in the mirror. I realized who I was. I was like, hey, you ain't no bitch. Like, you, like you the man. Confidence boosted up. I go out and I get money and I get back and I say, look, that shit's painful. Being broke is painful. Yep. I'm not going to allow that shit happen to me again. And recognizing that where I come from, that's how my people are. My people are going through that pain. Yeah. I remember, I remember you know, cold at night because we didn't have the money for the oil. We ain't had the money for the oil. It's, 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 um, it's uh, winter over there. We ain't got no money for the oil. Uh, pipes are busting, all that stuff. We, yo, yo, you can't, you can't, you got to wear a super jacket. I remember yeah. going to pee and, and then telling me, my parents telling me like, hey man, like if you ain't poop, if you, if you poop, flush. If you pee, don't flush. Cause we want to save on the water bill. I remember, I remember why you, why you, why you take more than three pieces of paper for the toilet paper, man? Well, you just need three. Wipe and go. That's it. I remember, I remember being told that the, 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 what do you call it? The paper towel at the house. Paper towel. I grab two sheets to wipe something up. I get slapped. Boom. Why you do that, man? Why you take two? Yeah. Half of one. That's more than enough. And and now in my house we have an abundance of it. Like like I could come over here with a big thing. I haven't gone shopping for me, but it's the mindset of like, yo, I come from a place of abundance. Man, take as many pieces of paper, uh, a toilet paper you need, bro. I don't care. That's not stopping me. Man, but I love that. The conference, so that's sales. I teach people how to get out of the, 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 the rat race with money, number one. But what I realized, it's more of a mental thing than technical. Remember, I told you that early on in the show. It's more of a mental thing than a technical thing from when I did it. I had to, I had to leave my certain level of, of, of finance abundance or what I thought was. I did a podcast, uh, an interview live with one of my friends. Uh, Bradley here, his company does a uh, 50, 50 something million dollars a year. The majority of residual income. I love Bradley. I use his Lightspeed portal um, for my services with my my course and, and my training. So I think that anyone listening to this, go ahead and show my man Bradley some love. Right. So Brad, Brad over here, he's coming at my neck. He's, he's, he's like, he's like, hey man, like, first of all, Brad supported me in like getting out of the financial, financial hurdle whatever, but a couple of years ago. But now he's coming at my neck, literally, he's on some like, you think you're not worth nine figures, huh? That's why you're gonna make nine figures. That's why you're not gonna make nine figures. Nine figures for those people who don't know is a hundred million dollars. But he's yeah. like, you ain't worth nine figures. That's why you ain't gonna make nine figures. Oh my gosh, I took it personal, man. I took it personal. I said nine fi- and you all date nine figures by 29. Get it, get it, man. Nine figures, hey Brad, nine figures by 29. Revenue though, revenue, revenue. <laughs> I love that man I really really do and I do want to wrap it up and ask you this one question before we do end it off and that is this if you can have dinner with any legend dead or alive who would it be and why Tupac why Tupac man this dude was my age my age now and brilliant I remember saying, saying, seeing Tupac and his, his mindset of how he's gonna make change. And my question to him is, the way to captivate a group who doesn't wanna listen to you, how? The way to, cra- to captivate a group who don't wanna listen to you, you know, I have people who share with me, where your voice is not heard, don't talk. Where your voice is not heard, 
don't talk. And when I created the Progression Conference, when I created this, my brand, my persona, it was originally, originally, it was created for people who were just like me coming from impoverished areas. Yeah. When I, when I moved to Cali, I didn't wear, I never wore a suit. So you see the picture of me in a suit. I never wore a suit. That one day I got a job. Actually, my assistant was the person who, taught, who, who put a blazer on me and started teaching me about wearing suits and stuff like that. But I never wore a suit, so I didn't know who I was, first of all. I didn't know who I could have been become. Yeah. And I originally became this persona, this personal brand for my people on the East Coast back home. I was like, yo, guys, like, I'm telling you, you can progress. Get your money up. So I started teaching people about sales, how to get your money up. But what I, what I realized was stopping people was their mindset. It wasn't the technique. It was their mindset. I said, yeah. number two, you got to market yourself. You got to get out there and get in front of people. You got to get known. You got to get on, on, you got to start talking to people. Then I said, the last thing is the personal development, which is going to be the most important part. But personal development is when you're overcoming these challenges, number one, you got to change your mindset to expand. You got to change your mindset to expand. Number one. And number two, you got to change your mindset to go up in income. Now you can take care of your family. I'm not talking about me being money hungry. I'm talking about just getting to a point where you can change your life financially and the lives of others that's around you. I love that, man. I really do. Now, if you can, let the people know where they can get more of you from, where they can find you, where they can follow what you're doing, what you're, what you're up to, and what your latest and greatest project is. Roberto asked, he said, going back about vision, how can I get clear on my vision and how to find a purpose? I want, I want, to, I want to talk to my man over here. Roberto, because there's a, there's a specific reason he asked that. So in this podcast, uh, Nani got it in a certain, certain way that allows it, uh, that people to interact. So this is awesome. I like it. Uh, going back about vision, Robert asked, how can I get it clear? How can I get clear on my vision and how to find purpose? Here, here's the number one thing that you need to do. You want to write it down and you want to write a letter to God. What would God tell you to do? I'm not questioning if you're a believer or, you know, you're not. It doesn't matter. God is still here. What would God tell you to do in your best self? I want you to imagine and literally create your best self without those limiting thoughts. Limiting thoughts will come, and here's why. It's going to come because of what happened when you were six years old and your mom said you couldn't. When the neighbor said, hey, don't do that. When your aunt said, hey, stop that. That's what those limiting thoughts come from. Because when you're a baby, you believe you can, you can climb a skyscraper. When you're an adult, you fell down enough times where you're like, I don't think I can climb that. Based off what happened three years ago, you know, based off what happened 15 years ago, I can't climb that. But then there's men and women who, who say, hey, I'll do parkour. I'll train. I'll grow. I'll go up on that wall. Next thing you know, they're boom, one, two, and, and then they're, climb, they're climbing walls vertically. It's that, it's that practice. So number one, write that vision to God. What are you supposed to be based on what you believe the best version of yourself is? The best supreme. And whenever you feel that, that sense of a, a, a fear or, or, or negativity, that's perfect. That means you're going in the right direction. And here, here's how I know. Every single time that I have felt fear, every single time that I have felt fear, something happened great on the other side. Number one, 19, someone says, open up a business. I say, I'm black, I'm 19, I'm college dropout. No, I'm scared, I'm from the hood, I can't do it. I start crying, I'm fearful. I do it anyway. I can take care of my family. I take care of my family, I move to the West Coast, I'm living my dreams. 
Andy, become a speaker. Oh no, I can't, I can't do it. I, I'm, I can't do it, I can't become a speaker. I'm, I'm too young, bada boom, bada boom. I get fearful, I get scared, I do it. 2020, we're doing just a million dollars on ticket sales. I have two, I'll have 2,000 people in the seats coming to see me speak. Every time I feel fear, that's the direction to go. So number one, write that letter to God. God, this is, this is exactly how my life is. This is exactly, I'm telling you, I'm gonna have me a wife, she's gonna look like this. I'm gonna have me kids, they're gonna look like this. I'm gonna have me a business, it's gonna look like this. I'm gonna have employees in my business, it's gonna look like this. I'm gonna have the car, it's gonna look like this. The best version of yourself. Love it. What's, now, here's what that is, Rob, Rob Roberto. That's your goal sheet now. That's what your goals are. The number two thing is to understand in you achieving that is your purpose. You'll start to see that your purpose will be created through those specific challenges that you incur to get that thing on that piece of paper. And now, does that thing work? Does, does that thing work? I, I did this on another on a, on a show recently. I started actually telling people what I actually do. Does that thing work? Yes, it does. I have mine with me at all times. It works. That thing works. Write that letter to God. Now that's your vision. You already know what your vision, especially as a man, you are led by vision. And if you're a man who is confused, it's because you have so many different talkers in your ear. Your, your uncle's telling you to do this. Your mom's telling you to do that. Your sister's telling you to do that. So you're like, I don't know. All men have vision. Yep. No disrespect to Nani and other women. Roberto, all men have vision. All men have vision. So because you're a man, you come and ask me this question. I'm being real with you, Robert, uh, Roberto. I'm being real with you. All men have vision. So write down your vision. In the pursuit of the, your vision, you will experience and understand what is your purpose. When I decided to become a speaker, I didn't start realizing what was my purpose until I started taking action. Once I started taking action, I said, oh shoot, this is the effect of me getting my desires. I'm helping other people. I had no idea, man. I just, and I, I'm just talking about taking care of my, my own pockets, my family, supporting them, supporting the people who are in my, my inner circle, just trying to support them. I started realizing I was taking care of other people and it was affecting the world. Yep. That's how you do it, man. I love that, man. Thank you so much for that, especially uh, answering questions for Roberto. I know that's going to be powerful. And if you're listening to the, this, make sure that you run this back, especially that whole section. Someone can definitely gain something from it. So if you like what I say, like what I do, make sure you run that back. Now, Andy, if they like what you're saying, they like what you're doing, where can they get more of you? Man, I wish I was like in all targets. Like, 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 like go to go to any Target and you can get a piece of Andy. Like you know, buy it like like a like a towel or something. But mm -hmm. it, the, until then, let's start at progressionticket.com. Awesome. And sometimes I think I'm a jokester, man. I, you know, I'll tell you all what it is, Nani. I, I was watching Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has a dark documentary. I seen Kevin. I was like, man, I like you, Kevin. I feel like I'm like a little Kevin, even though I'm bigger than Kevin. I'm I'm a, I'm a comedian, so I start making jokes, but then. Maybe I'm not that funny, but hey, bro, it is what it is. I just have confidence in myself. Ain't that right, Nani? Yes, man. I, listen, I really enjoyed having you on this show. Your energy is amazing. I'm loving what you're saying, and hopefully we can connect more and, and see how I could definitely uh, leverage you and you leverage us because I love your community and I love what you're doing, man. So keep it up. 
Nani, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show. 